Coffeehouse Shots is sponsored by NatWest, the bank that's helping small businesses build back better and greener. The transition to net zero could create 130,000 new jobs for small and medium-sized businesses. That's why NatWest is aiming to lend $100 billion in sustainable financing by 2025. Find out more about climate support for businesses at natwest.com slash climate. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Bors and Kate Andrews. So Kate, we've just seen the Prime Minister's conference on COVID Plan B measures. What has he announced? Yeah, welcome to Plan B, which is going to include working from home if you can. The Prime Minister said come in if you must, but work from home if you can. Note, he's still encouraging office Christmas parties. So don't come in to work, but come in to party was the takeaway. Yeah, you can see your colleagues only in a, you know, once in a December social setting. Right, yeah, when it's messy and fun. And you might be more close, perhaps, than you would in an office. Well, indeed, but yeah, that's apparently not where the virus is going to spread. Face masks are now going to be mandatory in most indoor settings, apart from bars and restaurants, so that is a big giveaway, I suppose, to hospitality, which would be flipping out right now had he mandated that. There's some indication that they are changing the rules around pandemic. Now, this is probably the best news out of the press conference. It seems that if you are pinged, rather than having to stay at home for 10 days, regardless of your health status or your vaccination status, you may be able to do a daily test, but we'll want to see the fine print on that. But I suppose the most controversial thing to come out of the press conference is that Boris Johnson is now introducing vaccine passports. Mm. You will be required to show your health status or a negative test if you want to access nightclubs, indoor standing venues with 500 people or more, outdoor standing venues with 4,000 people or more, or any venue with 10,000 people. Now, a lot of people are going to say, that's not so bad. They haven't brought it in to have a pint. You know, it's, it's just the big venues. I'm deeply concerned. The reality is that we now have this principle that you exchange your health status for access to public life. You can absolutely see a scenario now that they've caved in on the principle around vaccine passports. If the situation were to get dicey or say for the NHS over the winter, how you could so easily extend that. Now, Kate, I want to talk to you more about what was announced at the conference. But first of all, Katie, as you mentioned earlier in our coffee house shots, you know, there were some questions over the timing of this conference being at six o'clock on the day when the government has not had a lot of fun and since our first podcast Allegra Stratton has also now resigned do you think this is a COVID cat strategy as it were? Yeah lots of people saying this is a dead cat I think that the sense I got was that the government was seriously considering plan B you know in the past few days but there was also a sense that this wasn't something they were planning to do overnight and actually you might need more measures in January it's January they're more worried about you had the review period they briefed out, mm. which was 18th of December, to look at these measures. Yeah. Now, they might look at more measures at that date, but I do think the pace by which they have moved has surprised a lot of people. And therefore, you have Tory MPs, quite openly, mentioned at PMQs, asking questions about whether this is an attempt by the government to move away from difficult questions about various Downing Street parties that may or may not be fictional. And as you say, Allegra Stratton has now resigned, given quite a tip statement saying that she is very sorry for the comments that she made and I thought it was interesting and I guess we'll get to the full Q&A when Boris Johnson was pressed on Stratton's resignation and said well what do you think seeing that emotional Mm. statement he said well I've actually been too busy in meetings on Covid so I think a cynic can say that by focusing on this 
the front pages tomorrow are all going to be COVID restrictions yeah. probably as the main thrust at least even if the turmoil in downstream is a little bit further down still in the same piece and also it did mean that he was able to say oh I've just been too busy being prime minister so you don't have your tinfoil hat on but I just would say the pace by which this happened do you think about this time yesterday mm. has surprised a lot of people now, Kate, you have doubts over whether or not these measures are proportional or even, you know, right at all. And part of the justification from the government or that Chris Whitty relied on was this data from South Africa. But mm. tell us about your problems with that. So, to be honest, Cindy, I think this was one of the most disingenuous press conferences from the following the science perspective. It was really difficult for Chris Whitty and Patrick Vallance to stand up there and make the case by looking at the UK's own data, because their own graphs were showing that deaths were roughly 83, 85% below the peak, that they were slightly on the decline at the moment, that ICU emissions are on the decline at the moment. I mean, we're talking under 10 people a day now. I I say now because we always know that this virus can surprise us and this virus can change. But they were really having to rely on South Africa's infections and hospitalizations in order to make the case for Plan B. Now, these are very, very different countries when it comes to vaccination status. In South Africa, roughly 30% of the full population is vaccinated. In the UK, it's 70%. And if we're looking at adults with antibodies, whether they got that through infection or through jabs, and, and this is specifically adults, obviously, as I just mentioned, the, the lowers number for overall vaccination because you have kids in that too. But for adults, 95% of people in this country are now thought to have antibodies. It goes up to 97% for the over 75, so particularly vulnerable. So to be talking about how in South Africa, infections and hospitalizations, well, he said hospitalizations have gone up by 300% does not translate to what's happening in the UK. I found like I was being gaslit at moments, as if we haven't just had a year to the day of vaccine rollouts. It was a year ago today that the first person in the UK was jabbed. When Witty was talking about how quickly Omicron might move in terms of infections, he then said, you've seen how this has gone before. That's probably the way to bet. And then if we're pleasantly surprised, nobody would be happier than him. Well, again, that's when we didn't have any vaccines, let alone antivirals and other ways of treating this virus. That's when it was very clear that if infections went up, hospitalizations and deaths absolutely would follow. Thankfully, because vaccines work, that is just not the case anymore. Again, I want to stop short of overstating this because Omicron is a mutated variant. We still have very patchy information about this. Some of it suggests it might be more transmissible. Some of it suggests it might be more mild. We're going to know in a few weeks. But it's very clear that the government has decided that it wants to crack down because of the unknowns. That's, I'm not sure it's fine, but you can argue it's fine. But you have to say that. You can't say it's so clear from the data that we have to move to plan B. It is explicitly not clear in the data yet that anything has changed. Well, but Katie, despite all of this, I thought it was interesting that the government's rhetoric didn't really include stuff like you got to follow the rules. It was more you got to get your boosters. Are they finding it difficult to tell people to follow the rules now, given everything that's happened? I think the very fact they're saying everyone should work from home, but go to their Christmas party <laughs> tells you they've tied themselves up in knots because I did two modules of logic at university. You've mentioned that before in this podcast. Yeah, it's one of my proudest achievements. We're all Um, proud of you. But I think you don't even need that. It just doesn't make (laughs) massive sense. 
It just doesn't really make sense. And why would they be saying you can definitely have your Christmas party? Well, I think that relates to the video that was leaked last night. The fact that they've been denying this Christmas party. And we now have Dominic Cummings saying more parties occur in the mm. Down Street flat. And I think the government is in a really tricky position where some say dead cat. We don't know ultimately. I think it's harder to bring in new restrictions at a time when a lot of people in the country think that number 10 and the people who work closely for the prime minister cannot follow restrictions themselves or have at least been doing so quite lightly and I think that is making the public messaging much harder I think you do see glimpses of it it may be that genuinely the prime minister is very worried about this data the fact that Omicron is moving so fast and in the past to be fair Boris Johnson has been accused of acting too slowly, mm. repeatedly, I've said move quickly and, you know, if anything, overreact, because that's what's going to, you can get out of things sooner rather than later. So there is that as an option. But I think what you cannot deny, looking at the press conference, is the fact that they have made it much harder for themselves in terms of urging the public to do things. And Katie, finally, did the Prime Minister say something about vaccination as well, other than just obviously getting boosters? One of the most striking things the Prime Minister said in that press conference related to the idea of mandatory vaccinations. The Prime Minister said that we need to have talk seriously as a country about moving on from thinking about lockdown measures to protect people who are unvaccinated. And I think there was a sense when people were looking at that that this was, you know, he joined the dots and he's thinking a little bit forward and how some countries are really considering mandatory vaccination. It seems to be at least not completely ruling out the idea. And I think that'd be very controversial because I think the other thing worth mentioning is while we have had the Prime Minister in that press conference speaking to the public, you've also had Sajid Javid in the chamber addressing Tory MPs. MPs across the House, but the most frosty reception is from Tory MPs quite negative reaction to the health secretary talking about vaccine passports and I think it does relate to the party in the sense that you have a situation where lots of Tory MPs were really resistant to even bringing in mask use in shops there are now a few more measures and if you look at them I think vaccine passports as Kate says is the most controversial I think some of these things might not make such a huge difference to your daily life but are they part of a slippery slope where in three weeks time we find ourselves having you know limits on how many people we see or is it reversed I think previous experience means people are quite skeptical about the idea that things are about to turn around before you get to Christmas and I think that in terms of the Tory MP reaction there is a sense that they don't feel as though this is justified yet they feel they're being bounced into it pretty suspicious after the negative press down the street is getting and also the fact that We've had a really difficult month now for Boris Johnson, where he has lost a lot of goodwill in his party through the Owen Paterson scandal. Now through this, you have the North Shropshire by-election, which they're now pretty worried about. I think means that when there are votes next week, Keir Starmer, Labour have suggested they are going to support these measures. So I don't think we're looking at a question of whether or not they get through the Commons, but any scenario where the Prime Minister has to rely on Labour votes to pass measures is uncomfortable and quite a dangerous place for the Prime Minister to be. Kate, mandatory vaccines before Christmas, is that a good Christmas present? It's a frightening idea. Somebody who's very pro-vaccine, I don't think that should ever be mandated in a in a free society. Look, talk about a slippery slope. It was in January this year that Matt Hancock told Katie here and other members of The Spectator in an interview for the magazine that once the over-70s were jabbed, we were going mm. to cry freedom. It is the end 
of our second year of COVID. We are going into Christmas 2021 and we are having restrictions put back on us again, despite the fact that we, Britain, broadly speaking, doesn't have a problem with vaccine hesitancy. More education for those who are still nervous would absolutely be a good thing, but we have such incredible vaccine uptake in this country, and yet we are having more restrictions put upon us. It's very clear from tonight's press conference that they don't expect us to be really going back to normal anytime soon. And look, there's some really scary authoritarian moves happening throughout Europe. In Germany, if you're unvaccinated now, you can't enter into most shops. In Greece, if you're over the age of 60 and unvaccinated, you're being fined monthly with that money going to the health service to punish you for doing so. Britain has been seen for the past few weeks to be this little light amongst Europe that is this liberal light that wasn't going to go down this path and that the prime minister would even be hinting, even allowing there to be any wriggle room to suggest that we could talk about mandatory vaccines shows how far we've fallen. And Fraser, you're now in the room as well. Tell us your thoughts. The, the vaccine passport system introduced to England is exactly the same system that Nicola Sturgeon introduced to Scotland for large venues. Now, the Scottish system had a 70-page evidence report finding out if it did any good. Those 70 pages could find no evidence at all that the vaccine passports helped. And I think this is important. If you want to be fair-minded about this, you can say, sure, I don't like the encroachments on liberty of vaccine passports, but will they help? Will they actually improve the situation or make anybody safer, anybody more secure? And in the extensive Scottish experiment, not a single shred of evidence was found suggesting that they make things better. So that's why I'm particularly concerned about this. If they're starting to implement pretty radical policies without any evidence that they work, without any evidence that we're even got a serious problem, it's all potential, then we are sliding down this European path of when in doubt, lock people down. And you can bet, by the way, the cabinet members will be working from home. I think they will um, probably be going into their offices saying it's really important that they work together, well, like etc. they did for all of lockdown. Yeah. All last year, all this year. And the strange thing is that they don't seem to have learned from that. We seem to be reaching for the old playbook. Anyway, so it's significant, and I think the Scottish experiment is particularly significant. If that had worked, then the 70-page Scottish document would have proven that it worked. I found one suggestion that it worked, but it doesn't work, and England's getting them anyway. Fraser, Katie and Kate, thanks for joining the podcast. And if you like what we're doing, please sign up to the Evening Blend email from Isabel Hardman, which you can get at spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening. <laughs>